Cafe. I'm Dan. I'm Josh. And this is the Nerds in the Word Nerds in the Word Podcast. Absolutely. We used to be a rarefied sport hobby name. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Geocaching scripture. Yeah. And and we found out out of our tens of fans that only five of them knew what a geocache was. And only one of them knew what a cache was. So <laughs> that's the thing. That's the thing. You you yes, yes, a rarefied sport hobby of finding these little treasures, et cetera, et cetera. So we've decided to rebrand just a little bit to make to make what we do a little bit more clear. Yes, yes. And as two people with very expensive Bible degrees and limited social skills. We thought nerds in the word was on brand. <laughs> I voted for geo nerds, but that was even more confusing. So <laughs> we went through a couple times. Uh, a look in the good book. A look in the good book. That was a fun iteration. That was. Yeah. That was. I thought that was really going to go. We had a bibleography. That was also. That was. It was. It, it sounded just more like bibliography, <laughs> which is what is it at the only I really read those at the end of a book that I like, and so that was just confusing. Just us reading, reading tiles, <laughs> reading tiles in like in like uh, the, the Arabian format. <laughs> oh no, I, I'm, I'm strict Chicago style. That's all oh, I do. Chicago, hey, yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, let's not get ugly. <laughs> <laughs> Don't do APA, MLA. Nope, I want. Yep. Anyway, so copywriting and mm-hmm. APA. Thank you. Well, the cops are here. <laughs> <laughs> the building is on fire. Yeah. yeah. We're, in, we're in downtown Appleton. We're yeah. in the thick of it, man. Man, this is the real, the real streets. As, as yeah. we say in Appleton, the cop is here. <laughs> <laughs> Watch out for them street youths. I'm telling you, man, they're going to kiss you. Street youths. So nerds in the word. Nerds Bible in the word. Podcast. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm excited. You're a nerd. I'm a nerd. We love the word. That's it. That's it. Exegesis brought to you by the last kid's pick for kickball. Yes. Or as you say, Josh, the Bible in the original geek. Ah! Oh, it's good yeah. stuff. You know, I stole that. <laughs> Did you really? It's a Christianity Today title from like a long time ago. Ah. I know. I love it. It's a perfect byline. Yeah. And I thought, the Bible in the original dweeb brew? No. Mm. No. Mm. Nothing works. It doesn't have that, that ring to it. No. No. But nerds in the word. It's great. Here we are. Here we are. So... I have a question for you, Dan. Okay. Have you ever been... Hey, no, no, no. Big question. Have you ever been interrupted before? I gotta know. Have you ever been interrupted before? No, it's okay. You go now. You go. Not now. Who's there? Interrupting cow. Interrupting cow. That's great. We are... We are... Who's there? Interrupting sloth. Interrupting sloth. <laughs> you can't see what he's doing with his hands, but he's very slowly trying Hi. to interrupt me. <laughs> uh, yes. Oh. oh, yes. So, um, interruptions, man. Interruptions. interruptions. Mark 7, 24 through 30. Okay. And from there he arose and went away to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And he entered a house and did not want anyone to know yet. He could not be hidden. He immediate, but immediately a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit heard of him and came and fell down at his feet. Now the woman was a Gentile, a Syrophoenician by birth, and she begged him to cast the demon out of her daughter. And he said to her, Let the children be fed first, for it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. But she answered him, Yes, Lord. 
Yet even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. And he said to her, For this statement you may go away. The demon has left your daughter. And she went home and found the child lying in bed and the demon gone. Mark 7, 24 through 30. So, Jesus is laying low. Yeah. Um, and he is trying not to be seen, which is kind of like a Mark theme for him, at least at the beginning of Mark. Hiddenness, yes. And um, he he is found interrupted by this Syrophoenician woman, mm. um, who is not who he is looking at at the time. Mm-mm. There he is, children of Israel and everything else, and she is a Gentile woman mm-hmm. coming out of nowhere to say, uh, help me. Yeah, and um, so he had just gotten into a big confrontation with the Pharisees, also a market mm-hmm. theme, also a Jesus theme, and was kind of out of town. Like, man, let that cool what, down before you go back. So, there. And this, this is this is what I love about the like the, the gospel. Like, so like they had there are so many like little moments where like Mark will mention something, and you don't realize it's a door that opens up into this whole new cavern of space that like just makes you ask questions about who is Jesus. And so like he he goes. Um, into the region of Tyre and Sidon, and he enters a household there. Well, so we know the fact that he's probably entering the household. It's a, it's a Jewish household. Doesn't live. Doesn't live in Jerusalem. Doesn't live in Nazareth. It's some rich Jew, Jewish man who's the head of a household who Jesus makes friends with. And the guy's like, "Man, come up here, hang out with me for a little bit, get some rest." And so, like, he, here's like this one sentence that Jesus enters a household. And suddenly, you know, it's some sort of rich, rich Jewish man who's the head of his house over a family, probably the head of a staff someplace. And Jesus just wants to, like, chill with him. And this guy invites him into his house. And so, like, Jesus Jesus has friends all over the place. Mm-hmm. And Mark just kind of just drops that, and it's just, it's just sitting there. Anyway, I find that really interesting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. His reputation would have preceded him, I suppose. Mm-hmm. And uh, the hospitality would be really aggressive. So... Um, aggressive is a funny word for it, yeah. but my, my wife, um, went, uh, recently, not recently, but within the last like 15 years or so, went to Northern Africa on a mission trip a few different times. Hmm. And she said they would fight over who could host. Oh yeah. It's because, a big deal. Yeah. Because of the respect thing. I mean, yeah. you've spent time in Africa. Yeah. And, the honor of being a host yeah. is a big, is a very big deal. It's, it's so different than American culture. We're like. I don't want to have it in my house. Yeah. <laughs> or even when we think about hospitality as like the mint on your pillow. Like that's not, that's not hospitality in the uh, Near Eastern first century context. Hospitality is all about incorporating or engrafting someone into like the, the family essentially. So you come under the protection and the, the, um, the care of the family. And so it's, you don't get your own room, you eat with the family. You mm-hmm. don't get your own bed. You sleep in the one room where everyone else slept because you sleep with the, or unless you have a guest room. Some people had a guest room and we talked right. about this in one of our other podcasts. Go check it out. It's the one on deconstructing, deconstructing Christmas. Christmas. Yes. yes. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah. So that would have been like, <laughs> Dan loses his train of thought. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Thanks for coming to the, um, the, uh, uh the thing. So let's talk about yeah. Gentiles. Let's talk about Gentiles. Let's talk about Syrophoenicians. Yes. So who are these people? Who are who are these people? Uh, so just like modern day geography. Let's just do a little bit of a geography test. Do you know where Lebanon? Okay. Do you know where Lebanon is? 
Lebanon, yes, it is um, near Israel. It's just north of Israel along the coast. The Phoenicians were the best sailors. They came up with the alphabet, chances are, or had one of the earliest alphabets. Um, anyway, they are a distinct ethnicity of people living just above Israel along the coast. They love the water, um, but they would be considered off-limits to Jews, just like any other distinct ethnic group of people. Mm -hmm. uh, like, note in verse 26, despite after saying he's in the region of Tyre and Sidon, which is in verse 24, in verse 26 it says, now the woman was a dot, 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 a Gentile, or an ethnos in Greek. Like, that's correct. Like, it's just like the woman was among those groups of people that you don't go around as a Jew. Like, you just don't, you don't go with them because they are not God's chosen people. Right. Like, Jews had a distinct ethnic pride in being the family of God, and no one else was part of the family of God. And so this woman, despite the fact that she's from Phoenicia, despite the fact that she's a Syrophoenician, or as Matthew would say, a Canaanite, which is an interesting term. What, was, what is Matthew doing there when he calls the woman a Canaanite? It's a parallel passage. Tune in next time. Yeah, tune in next time. <laughs> um, so but like and, the, 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 the big umbrella category we have to understand is ethnos. Like ethnos. These are not the people of God. And and this is not this is not racism in the way we would understand it. No, not at all. It's it's it's, it's more about uh, yeah. It, it's more it's more about um, purity. Be, yeah, pu yeah. Pu purity. But it's also about vocation, even more mm -hmm. so. For at least, at least for Jesus, the way he saw Israel, Israel wasn't promised to be like the frozen chosen. Like they weren't elected just to be elect themselves. They were elected for the nations. And we'll get into that a little bit more towards the end of the podcast. Mm -hmm. But when, when, you, when we think of uh, being chosen or being the people of God, this is not a, or this shouldn't be like, it's a, it's a righteous badge on my chest, badge on my chest that no one mm -hmm. else has. Mm -hmm. This should be, this is, this is my purpose in living. I am meant to live for everyone else. I'm meant to be a blessing for the nations. Anyway, we can riff on Genesis. We don't need to. We'll but, get um, there. Yeah. All right. All right. Very cool. Um, yeah. So the context of that, Jesus laying low, Jesus trying to um, put together, trying to go about his mission as he is supposed to, mm -hmm. as he is, as it's tied into his story. Yeah. You almost always, any miracles and anything like that, that Jesus does, they're very much tied into like, okay, here's what Isaiah said would happen, and here's what the Psalms said would happen. Yeah. yeah, all these things tied in together, um, and and then he's interrupted. And then and then like the the needle scratches off the. Road. Oh, that's such a great you know that's a great line. Yeah, title. Anyway, so the verse there that he says is, um, "Let the children be fed first, for it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs." Yeah. Um. So he calls her a dog. <laughs> Anyway, thanks for listening. Nerds in the Word Bible Podcast. May call someone a dog today. Uh, WWJD. <laughs> um, yeah. So what? What's, what's going, going on? on? What's going on? Um, so this is this is going to be a passage that you're like no matter no matter where you're at in your journey of faith, mm -hmm. you're just going to struggle with this one. And we're going to do our best to unpack it, but it's not going to take the scandal out of, out of it completely. Sorry. It's just, it's just, there's, there's, there's sometimes, there's some, actually, I think one of the blessings of the Bible is that it's, it's a ball of spaghetti that's not always easily unraveled. And so then sometimes there are certain knots that you just have to, then you have to wrestle with. And this is, this is one of those knots. But I think 
I think the first thing we have to recognize is anybody who tells you they can unravel it very easily is selling something. Totally. It's snake or oil. Or is such snake oil. Or is John MacArthur. <laughs> <laughs> Moving along. Uh, and so, and he said to her, let the children be fed first. And so I think the first thing we need to wrestle with is who was Jesus's call to, or who was his primary vocation to? Is it to everyone or is it to the lost sheep of Israel? And I think we have to answer the latter and I know that's scandalous to us, but this is just the way that the redemptive plan of God works. Jesus wasn't sent to the world initially. He has a community of people that he would commission to go to the world, but not yet, not yet. And so when he sends out the 12 in Matthew 10, he says to his disciples, go only to the lost sheep of Israel. Jesus's plan was to minister or to witness to God's chosen people first about what it looks like to be the true Israel. And then after that, the hope is that Israel or the community of God would then begin to do the work that Jesus was doing. And so when Tom Wright, as of course Tom Wright does, he has this wonderful paradigm for the relationship between Jesus and the nations. He says, he, this is what he says, as Jesus is to Israel, so the church is to the nations. And I think that that's the paradigm through which we have to understand what Jesus is saying here. It's not that Jesus hates the ethnos or hates this woman because she's a Gentile. Very much the opposite. He has a plan for her, but she's getting ahead of the redemptive plan of God. His first priority is to the children of Israel, which is why he says, let the children be fed first. And again, I know that doesn't get, get, get at the scandal of why does he call her a dog? And the honest mm -hmm. answer is, Josh, I don't quite know. Part of me mm -hmm. wants to say like that was just a common colloquialism for a Gentile that mm -hmm. was somewhat demeaning. Why Jesus used it, I, I don't, again, I, I don't mm -hmm. quite know. But I don't think Jesus is actually trying to insult her because later he heals her. And so obvious, obviously he doesn't hate this woman. He, he's going to bestow upon her the, the honor of being remembered in this story forever, having her having her child healed. Right. Uh, like So like clearly he cares about her. We just, in our sensibilities, he doesn't care about her or doesn't at least phrase his love for her in the way we would like it to be. And we have to just wrestle with that. And and he uses, um, the linguistic term for dog is that he uses is softer than Oh, is it slur. really? That's amazing. Yeah. I did not know that. You didn't know that. Okay. Um, so yeah. So he, he uses, there. there's a word that they use for that that the Israelites at the time used for Gentiles, and it is and it is I don't know the Greek term, but um, it is dog. And Jesus uses the term Cunarian. Yeah, Jesus okay, uses the term puppy. Yeah, um, a little dog, totally. Yeah, which is which is like a is is a weird turn on this. So in a way, um, he is That's fascinating. Saying, Josh, you know, nerds in the word. We're doing it. This is great. Geeking it up. Um, he's he's saying. The story is changing. Oh, um, dude! And but it is in the midst of changing. Yeah. Um. And in a and her answer to him, I mean, it's it's just funny that he would say that, and that would get her attention. Mm -hmm. Like, hold on, there's something missing here. Now, granted, this, the Phoenicians probably didn't have nice terms for the Israelites. <laughs> no, they didn't. Um. And nobody had real nice terms for each other. You mm -hmm. you you stayed in your group. And that was kind of it. Mm -hmm. You had to survive by working together on mm -hmm. certain things. 
but you didn't marry each other's daughters. You didn't, you know, certainly didn't do that. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, so Jesus uses this term, which, which would have thrown things off, um, as, as she kind of threw him off. Mm -hmm. He kind of throws her off. And in a sense, like, she breaks into the story, she interrupts it, she, you know, all this stuff, but Jesus can't help him. So. Yeah. Well, so I think this is also <clears throat> something really interesting to think about, Josh. And so, like, is this woman identifying with, like, an insulting term that Jesus gave to her? Or at least a semi-insulting term by saying, well, even the, the crumbs that fall from the table, the dogs eat. And I, I think we have to uh, understand that this is honor-shame culture, where I, I don't think this woman is necessarily embracing shame. She's more trying to honor Jesus. And so John the Baptist does this as well, when he says mm. of Jesus, I'm not worthy to untie his sandals. And so again, he's not demeaning himself there. What he's doing is he's lifting Jesus up. Mm -hmm. Fun fun fact. So when I originally, <laughs> when I, I, I don't know why, but when I was thinking about John the Baptist being un unworthy to tie Jesus' sandals, some translations, <laughs> it's unworthy to untie uh, like his thong. <laughs> And so my dad, all the time, all the time, Josh, like, so uh, my mom's from California. And so we often would take family vacations in California. And so we, we, we'd be walking on the beach and my dad, for whatever reason, in the seventies, you just called sandals thongs, but you don't do it in the mid nineties because it has a totally different term. And so my dad all the time would be like, Dan, did, did you remember your thong? I'm like, dad, you can't, I'm a teenager, like super, super blushing red. I'm like, dad, you can't say that. You can't say that. Anyway, that's that's an aside, but I, I Iron Mike hands Iron Mike hands yelling down the beach at his at his beach in in 1996 or so, going, "Hey Dan, you got your thong on?" <laughs> at his at his teenage son is just like blushing red because he's so in bed. Anyway, that's an aside. That's and, and, an aside. And he's from Wisconsin, so is pasty your white as well. Oh, pasty man. white with a flannel on. <laughs> hey guys, got your thongs on? Oh. Uh, you know, your mom's thongs will probably fit you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I, I would say my parents exactly the same. Yeah. Exactly okay. the same. So, okay, jumping back jumping back into the story. This yeah. is, the woman is not embracing, a, like, she's not demeaning herself here. What she's doing is trying to honor Jesus through a rhetorical sleight of hand in the same way John the Baptist is saying, I can't untie this guy's sandals. That's how we have to think about it. She's not embracing the insult. She's honoring Jesus. And it gets his attention very clearly. And and I and I do wonder if in these some of these conversations with Jesus, rabbi conversations were challenging by nature. Yes, and they would come at you. Yeah, and get you to respond in a yeah. certain way. Yeah. Um, like, and I mean, if oh, dude, spent... she's responding kind of like a rabbi. Exactly. That's that's she's amazing. Sparring with him. I've never even yeah. thought of that before, yeah. Josh. Yeah. This is well, you know, this is enlightening. Nerds in the word. Yeah, man. man. Welcome. You know. It's like we're finding a geocat. Oh, anyway, um, but the uh, but yeah, but this, so that's part of the part of what's going on. I mean, speaking of the other part of the country, you know, I was visiting New Jersey one time, and a guy was I'd never met. He was a friend of a friend. He was coming in, and he he had to get something out of the car, and he hadn't even said hello. He looks over at me and goes, "You gonna sit there all day?" And it exactly. was like you know that was more like. That doesn't mean that, mm -hmm. you know. It's just the way you talk. Yeah. And in a sense, I I pick up that's kind of what's going on here yeah. with Jesus. So. Dude, the fact that she responds like a rabbi is awesome. I never made that connection before, but it's spot on, Josh. That's fantastic. 
So how does this fit into redemptive history? So Daniel. okay, so this is this is what I'm I'm thinking about. And so if you th- if you think about uh, hospitality and Israel's relationship with the the nations, let's say, or the ethnos, like it's not it's not a good it's not a good relationship. And so um, I, I know the first place your brain goes is the Targum. That that's clearly so. For those I of you who are listening, for my devotions this morning. <laughs> so the, for those of you who don't know what the Targum are. It's an Aramaic translation of the Old Testament that uh, gives us insight into Jewish understanding of first century theology because it's not a word-for-word translation. It's more like a, um, a dynamic equivalent translation. And so there's all, like, as they translate this in the first century, you can under, like, and as they, as they change certain things, you can see, man, there's, there's, there's a theological bent going on here. And so if you look at the Targum of Isaiah 25, and again, I know this is... So they were reading the message. <laughs> For Eugene Peterson fans, we apologize. But yes, it's, it's dynamic, dynamic equivalent. Yeah. And, so, uh, and so if you look at the Targum of Isaiah 25, it's this, like, if you read, if you read the, the, just the, the Hebrew version, it's this beautiful scene of God opening up a banquet and he invites the nations in. It's this scandalous, beautiful theme where everyone's invited into the banquet. So that's... It's Israel extending, or God, the God of Israel extending hospitality to the very people you wouldn't think should get hospitality. When you read the Targum of Isaiah 25, what happens is God invites them, as a, invites them in as a trick and then kills them all. <laughs> you know? Okay. And so, like, this, I know, right? So, this, this is how a first century Israelite would have thought about how Israel is supposed to relate to the nations. Like, it's not good. Jesus totally overturns that expectation by responding to her rabbinic sparring positively and then healing and healing her daughter or child and then answering her request. And so in, in my mind, this is Jesus beginning to tip his hat at what God wants to do in the world, which is not be stingy with his love and grace, but to extend it through God's people. We just haven't gotten there yet. And that, that's, why, that's why Jesus spars with this woman, because she's getting a little bit ahead of the redemptive plan of God. But she's putting her finger on something true, that this is God's will for everyone. God, mm-hmm. Everyone is going to experience the love, the grace, and even the healing, mm-hmm. even the healing of God will be embraced by the nations because that is, that's what's happening in the world. And so you could say the story in some ways foreshadowing that. Absolutely. So Jesus is interrupted and in a sense, the interruption becomes the story. Mm-hmm. And that's like, that's Jesus for mm-hmm. you. And that's Jesus out in the world. And that's the way Jesus meant us to be. Um, and I always think of, you know, um, this little light of mine, oh, hiding <laughs> under a bushel now. Um, you know, like hiding under a bushel. And, and to me, that was more like uh, a guilt trip song. Yeah. Like, go witness to your neighbors because they're all going to hell. <laughs> you know, it's you know, your fault. I never understood hiding under a bushel because like, my six-year-old mind was like, it'll just start the bushel on fire. Then you have a fire in the house. Like, that doesn't make any sense. At least hide it under a metal pot. <laughs> you know? <laughs> <laughs> that's just my, that's how my brain worked. <laughs> <laughs> and, and what like who has bushels laying around? <laughs> I know. Um, I, I think the the other the other side of it being um, that light is generous. Yes. Light is oh, that's so light great. Light goes everywhere. That's great. you know right. And and that that you you break you break open the the top of it, and you're not just nice or 
loving, or kind, or listening to your own people, you spill this light all over mm-hmm. the place. Yeah. And that's, and that's what Jesus did. That's what he calls us to do. Let your light shine before men, that, that they may see your good works and praise your Father in heaven. Pax Humana. Cheers. Cheers.